We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What happens when even your like a new signing won't play for you? This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast, Deadline Day live stream. My name is Elliot Smith, the Black Man Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Thank you for being here. We are so excited to discuss. That is unclear. That is entirely unclear. I'll level with you. I, I don't have much of an idea. I think there will be a lot of recriminations, a lot of arguing, name-calling. Um, I'm just going to pop up the first topic on the screen. That's it. That's the question of the day. What the f- is going on? Uh, technically nothing, really. We are really good at getting people out of the club. I think one of the big discussions today is going to be, is this a legacy problem? I think Tim Stillman tweeted this out. Is the issue really a legacy from previous decisions, previous decisions about not selling players, not moving them on, keeping players, and now the chickens, which we thought maybe weren't ever going to come home. The chickens had left. They'd gone off to college. They were out of our house. But no, they failed out of college, and the chickens are now back. They're home. They're roosting. They want us to do their laundry. It's just chickens and chicken parties and empty chicken beer bottles, and all the chickens have come home to roost, and now we're we're living with them. And here to talk about it with me will be Clive, will be Tim, will be Paul, will be Scott. And right now, it's Jess. You can find her on Twitter at, actually, uh, Jessinho Tweets, I believe, is what it's changed to, which threw me for a while. Hello, Jess. I'm, Yeah. Uh, you you just said hello, and I was about to say I'm good. Hello. Well, there you go. Thank you there for you go. Me. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? Is everybody ready? I want to know. Uh, get in the comments right now. Is anybody ready for Clive? I don't. I don't. I, are you ready for Clive? Yeah, of course. I haven't seen Clive in so long. I'm not. Put, I'm on. not putting Clive on the screen until I get some acknowledgement that people in, who are watching this are ready for Clive. We're going to be talking about all the chickens in a moment, but I, I don't see a single. Cl- Anyone want Clive? No. No one want. Look, Griffin. Nope. Doesn't want Clive. No, I'm ready. Always ready for Clive. Here we go. <laughs> Only if we get the music. Oh, my man. My man, Mitch. 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 You know what, buddy? <laughs> I have got you some music. It's Clive. 
That's right, it's Clive. You can find him on Twitter, Clive PFC. Hello, Clive! Mm, hello, hello. How you doing, mate? How you doing, Jess? Oh, great. Good. good. <laughs> you, know, I, you know I hate that, didn't you? Clive, <laughs> we, got, we got the first question from the live stream. Can Clive play as a striker? Uh, 20 years, five years ago, maybe. No, not even then, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, not, not even then. Destructive midfielder. Not a good sign. Clive, I'm going to ask you the first question of the live stream. It's, it's a complicated one, so I want you to think carefully before you answer it instead of just throwing something out there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like I, I'm I'm probably not the <laughs> I'm probably not the best person for these things because it, I don't get upset very often. But even me can see the glaring hole in our squad, right? That's unexplainable. There's just one hole. So we start the season and we look at our squad. We we look at everybody. We say, you know, what, well, we're a bit heavy in some areas, but you know what? We sort of know who the main men are. And one of those main men would be Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. It's as simple as that. Not many of us would have predicted he'd be doing an impression of Peter Odinwingi right now in Barcelona. <laughs> and reputationally for him and reputationally for the club, that's not great. And so, although I think there's some late stuff that he may be, may be still getting the medical done, right? So we'll see. But that's the player that I can't explain, right? So... And I don't see a progression from a younger player that's going to take that role and make us all feel confident. So that's the one thing that makes me think, okay, what are we doing here? How are we going to fill this gap? Can't explain it. Don't want to explain it. It's still to be, you know, it's still not finished yet, but we all read the Twitters and (laughs) none of us feel confident, do we, that hole's going to be filled? No, I don't. I mean, I I, I do want to... I think there is going to be a tendency today to get very, very upset and to feel that we have not done in January what we need to do in January. But Jess, what I want to ask you is how upset are you? No, that's not what I mean. What I want to ask you is to what extent is the failure to do business in January really a reflection of choices that were made before? Because January is not usually a window we would look at and say, mountains of new signings, totally overhaul a squad. We chose not to prioritize striker in midfield in the summer. We extended Shaka's contract. We brought in a center back. We brought in a goalkeeper. They've been good signings. But those are the priorities we made. We chose not to move Nketiah on in the past when he could have. We chose not to take money from Maitland-Niles when that offer was there. We chose to sort of let certain situations drift. We, you know, Aubameyang's contract is something that was hotly debated at the time. We gave it to him. My point is, is the problem with this January window that all of those skeletons that were in our closet, the OBA contract, the decisions on Enkedia Maitland-Niles, the decisions to prioritize in, in the summer. We kind of kept them in the closet. We didn't think about them. And then we get to January, and boom, striker is a problem. Midfielder is a problem. These other guys we should have sold sooner are now leaving. So is this a January problem, or is this just the chickens I mentioned earlier coming home, telling us to do their laundry, living on us dime-free? Well, based on the summer, you could say that it was a summer issue, just like you said. I think that there was a feeling amongst the club and the fans that midfield and striker were huge issues. And so, like you said, we chose to prioritize other areas. And I think one thing that the club probably never anticipated was a bombing going through a second season in the way 
that he has. And so when you don't have a bombing, it makes the striker situation even more serious than it probably looked at the beginning of the season. But let's call a spade a spade. We were in for Tammy Abraham. You know, we were looking to move on Granit Xhaka, whether that was because he wanted to leave or because we wanted him to. These have been issues and we haven't been able to move on from them because we have huge resources in those areas that we can't move on. We're stuck with them. And you can look at that as things from the past. You know, you, you really can. And I think we've we've made choices in the past to re-sign people, to buy certain players, to put people on certain money. And it's like we are shocked that nobody wants to take them from us because they're on huge wages. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's very much so like a symptom of a disease that we've had for a long time. And so in the summer, we knew we had to address these these issues and we chose to do more of a, a blanket re-reset, you know, with some some players, but ultimately the positions that are being held by players that we're constantly debating about are the the really the defining positions for our season, midfield and striker. And so I didn't think we were ever going to get through this season without having this conversation because I I really was worried about striker and midfield in in the summer. And it never really sat with me that we didn't go and get Tammy Abraham. Never really sat mm. with me that we re-signed Granite Shaka. And so I'm not surprised we're having this conversation now. But we have 17 matches left. And our season kind of rests on Granite not being Granite, Thomas Party not rolling his ankle, and Lacazette being consistent. And I don't know how any Arsenal fan can look at that and say, yeah, this feels that feels good. You know, we're basically the dog sitting in the room with everything on fire saying, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. The thing we know is that Stan Kroenke is definitely urgently across this as he recovers from his hangover of the Rams making the Super Bowl last night. He was interviewed after the game. He looked super drunk and good for him, you know, celebrating. But like they asked him about a few signings the Rams made and it was clear he did not know who those players were. So the idea that he has any idea who Isaac is or Vlavich is or even Aubameyang is is pretty remote. It does beg the question really quickly. And, and by the way, there's some rumor that the Aubameyang situation could still be going on. Um, do you, let, let me ask you this, Clive. Why did Arteta go to see Stan Kroenke? Was it just to watch ice hockey? I mean, that you know, that is, have we maybe <clears throat> missed the point that Arteta does actually really like ice hockey? Uh, yeah, probably to sort out his own contract. Who knows, right? He's got a bit of time off. Goes to see the guy that owns the club. No, I don't. I don't. No drama for me. I think um, it looks like a Yang will be going, and this is the um, this is the one really, Elliot. And I think I for people that don't like the manager, there's enough real estate out there regarding broken relationships to start to fret and, and worry, right? So. Mm-hmm. And I think this one in particular is a is a strange one because not so long ago he was commenting on his ability to press, his work rate, um, how he prefers this version of Aubameyang to the previous version, more team-orientated. We all know what happened for the North London derby last season, but maybe that was the start of this, really. And I remember going to the Watford game and I remember seeing it in my own eyes, a player that was really working hard, and all of a sudden, it stopped. The the light went out. Poof. Just like that. And I thought, oh no, that's the that's the guy we saw last season. You know, and um 
there's a story to be told here that we don't know. And uh, regardless of where your loyalties lie, I'm an Arsenal fan and I see a gap in our in our squad. That's what mm. I see. And um and I want that field, right? And um because the people behind I have I don't have faith in, I'm afraid. You know, I'm not you know, I'm not one for killing people, but I'm still getting over Eddie's header at Everton. You know, I'm still getting over it, right? One yard out, how do you manage to do that, right? So uh, they've not won a game in, since the Battle of Hastings, apart from beating us, right? So um, so w- that can't happen, you know? So, and we know Lacazette's one good game, one bad game, right? When he gets, he, he needs to get his inhaler out and his iron lung out to recover, and he misses a game. We can't carry that consistently with, with a couple of 20-year-olds and a 21-year-old and a 23-year-old, right? I don't think that's fair. You know my thoughts there. So we are running a risk, and I work in risk, and this is a risk I would not... I, I'm looking for risk mitigation, and that needs to be yeah. in the form of a signing. So I posted out today, I said, stock rising, Nicola Pepe. His stock, he's going to get a lot of love now. We're going to be moving him around left and right and fourth <laughs> nine and ten. We're going to be loving him. We're going to be loving Nuno off the bench to play <laughs> wide left in a striking oh, yeah. area. <laughs> We'll be giving him lots of love. We won't be worrying about a couple of dodgy passes. Get Nuno on. We need some more speed. And, and this is what we do, right? This is what we do as fans. We're going to manipulate teams in our mind. That Hutchison, he needs to have a go. Let's get him in. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, and and, and this, is, this comes down to the fact that although we have done some really good work in, on outgoings, in my opinion, um, we it's the one incoming based on that situation which has arisen hasn't happened. Yeah. And just, you know, with my head on, right? And I know I know people just want me to go mad. And I, I just look like just other people. <laughs> do it. Do it. Elliot, <laughs> Elliot, Elliot will Elliot will do it for me and, uh, and uh, I'll contribute. But, I'll definitely contribute to that. <laughs> well I, I we all feel the same. There's no point in going over the top, is it, right? And pretending we all feel the same. We know we're like. But I will say, I sat there watching that Man City first half. And I absolutely loved it. And last time I looked, all those players are still here. Do you know what I mean? And that's what we got to build upon. You know, so... And the ones that played at Notts Forest and the ones that played at Man City when we lost 5-0 in the start of the season, a few of them are gone, right? And, and, and that is a legacy issue. That is something where we've been dumb. And the one thing I didn't want to see happen today was another dumb move. No dumb moves bringing in idiots to take mm. money out of the club to go and sort their pensions out. No more idiots jogging around in Arsenal training kit, earning six million a year and not having to play. We've got to cut that crap out. If we don't cut that out, we're going to be the club. We're always going to be the club that you go, you go there to die and earn money, right? And that's where we have been, you know. And a lot of these players leaving our club. They are not going to the best clubs in the world. I mean, Barcelona used to be one of the best clubs in the world, but it's not anymore. Well, they're not going to which the top is great. Of the we should laugh at that, by the way. Let's take a moment to laugh at that. Yeah, we. They're not going. They're not going to. You know, I tell you, the best player to leave our club last couple of years was Emi Martinez. Right, he's the best player to leave our club. Right, and and he's gone to a team not as good as us, but could soon be. They're not far away. You know, and so everyone else, crap, gone, rubbish, earning money producing nothing, absolutely nothing. And so it's difficult at the moment for us because we know we're light and we're all scrambling around looking for a striker. 
but I want I want the idiots gone and I don't want no more idiots coming in. And because this is the future of our club. I, kept, I said in the podcast earlier, a puppy is not just for Christmas. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't get an idiot in. Don't do a Denis Suarez who played two games. Remember that? Yeah. We could have got Christopher Nkunku. Denis Suarez, for God's sake. These mistakes are critical. You know, critical. And they last for years. And we need to stop doing it. So, yep. This this may someone said flip out. Maybe this is me flipping out, <laughs> reminding em, reminding everybody how stupid we've been. Buying players with broken backs. I mean, this is where we used to be. So while we are struggling with a striker situation, let's remind ourselves that finally we have somebody in charge that's recognized how shit we are and is getting the shit out of the building. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what you need to focus I, on. I, I, I just put this up because I, I, you know, I know what everyone expects from me, and I just want to say, don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to do what everyone expects me to do and just flip out. I mean, maybe I will a little bit. Depends how long we go on with this. But Elliot, can, um, I, can yeah. I piggyback on that? Really yeah, I would love I for just, you to piggyback. Come on, I mean, Jess, the question is, can, can you <laughs> can you get someone to piggyback on top of Alexander Lacazette? Because I'm we have we tried putting two strikers on top of each other is that and putting them that, in a suit and letting them run around and yeah, see if it works he, he, <laughs> like it runs like he runs like somebody is on his back right so that's, that's, <laughs> maybe, that's maybe that's the issue maybe he's actually two strikers in an overcoat with a top hat i don't know go go jess come on help us out here we, wanted, need, we need whatever you can give us so the only thing i wanted to say was just like i'll say more obviously but um just hearing what clive is saying kind of reminded me of what I was thinking earlier, which was December really showed us like how good this team can actually be. December was by far our best month. I think Arteta was, you know, nominated for manager of the month. We had scored 20 goals. We were on fire. We played different types of games against different types of opponents and we did really well. And ending that with um, Man City left us on a high. And so that is for me, the ceiling of this particular group. And then we moved into January and I think we saw what we would probably define as the the floor of this team, which is a team that when a couple of players, significant players are out, we can't beat Burnley at home. And I think what we are hoping and all of us are hoping is that we see more of the team from December, which is still there and less of the team from January. And I think I just wanted to see us, lessen the pressure of that situation. You know, if, if Granite Xhaka had one of his moments, there was a midfielder that could kind of keep us with the same level. You know, if Thomas party rolled his ankle, there was somebody there. If, you know, Lacazette went through his inconsistencies, there was somebody there. And I guess for me until the end of the season, I just want to see, I'm hoping that more of December Arsenal is there and less of January is there because if we have another month like January, um, we're going to be in trouble. But at, on the brighter side, if we have more months like December, we'll be fine. And so that's kind of where we're at. But margins, it's a fine margin, and the margins don't always go our way, and I think that that's what scares me. Yeah, I, I do want to make it clear that people are celebrating that the OBA deal is back on, and I, I just want to be clear about something. That doesn't make us better. Like, I, I I think getting Oba out of the club now is probably a priority. I, I do sort of wonder if he didn't go, could there be a detente? Could we use him? Because let's say, I, I think uh, Arsblog made this point, and it is spot on. If the Oba situation was going on at another club, 
and we were looking at loaning him for a few months to solve the situation we're currently in, would be like, perfect. He may not be amazing anymore, but he's a live body. We can use him. He gets us over the line for top four. Instead, we could just be the club that won't use him. And that is that is an interesting situation to be in and certainly one that I – Yeah, Clive, you want to answer that? Yeah, so what happens with players? And, and, and this is why I really want people to get into their heads, right? So they get better when they don't play. So when they don't, when he's not playing and he's not anywhere near us, man, we and we and we drop a a key point away at Wolves, something like that. That's a problem for the whole club, right? That is a problem, and so I can see why they want to do something. I I just feel, um, we look, we are we are one player light, right? There's no debating it. The midfield situation sorted. Whether you like them or not, we've got them, right? So we have four in there. We're probably, you know, when I keep looking at his training videos, I keep looking out for Tommy Yasu and I can't see him. That's the biggest issue I see right now because he's been majorly important. And, you know, when Rob Holding comes in, I don't think we're the same, you know? So um, so that's a that's a problem for me. Um, we look like we're one centre-back, like, but we can mix and match there a little bit, you know, with back three situations, et cetera. The one thing I see is that centre-forward when we are, when we need to score and when we need to do something, there's no guarantee with with goals, and we we scored goals in a, you know, with a number of players rather than one player. And I prefer that group approach, if you ask me. But we got two players in the last six months of their contracts, and our hopes and dreams are on their shoulders. It does not fit. Right, it does not sit right with me. I can't deny yeah. it. it. Does not sit right with me. Um, they seem to have the right attitudes, but looks like Eddie will, will probably not going to Germany. I think uh, on a free transfer. That's the best deal for him. There'll be no conversation to the club. If he went in England, there'd be conversation to the club because we trained him. So he's going to go to Germany, look after himself. And Lacazette's going to end up somewhere to suit him. And I will do exactly the same, right? Why Why should he take away his brass, right? He should go and get his money, do exactly the same. We've done this situation. We haven't dealt with it quickly enough. He didn't leave last summer. And if we hit a left, we'd have got Tammy in, Jess. We'd have got Tammy in, but he didn't want to leave. Neither want to leave. And that was a killer moment there. A killer moment. Those two guys staying and that's a legacy issue, the comfort of wages, the comfort of the environment. Why the hell should they go? So we sit there and we criticise this regime for not getting Tammy. You know, I would have liked him too. But it's a legacy issue from previous um, regimes that gave Lacazette 180-200. And I don't know what Eddie's on for his... I don't know how many Premier League goals he scored. It's not many, <laughs> right? It's not many. Crystal Palace couldn't tempt him away. With with first-team football, they couldn't tempt him away, right? That's how mm. comfortable he is, right? So I get annoyed by this because it slows us down. We've done this to ourselves. We've done this to ourselves. And because yeah. of this, we're having to give people away more or less. And that looks dumb, right? So, But we need to go through this pain to get to the promised land. And it's just frustrating that it's not going to happen on January the 31st, 2022. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I would hope that everybody listening agrees with the following statement. Signing someone we don't love because we're in a panic and think we need to do it to get top four isn't the answer. That's how we wound up here. It's the Williams that got us here, right? It's the short term, get someone in. We're not sure they're the right guy, but they can get us over the line. We'll patch up the boat. We'll put duct tape on everything and get there. No one wants that. And I think having put ourselves in a situation where we think we can get a Vlavic or an Izak in January, like maybe you can, but maybe you can't. 
Clubs don't want to move those players. Well, Vlavic moved, so what the hell do I know? But he was going to Juventus from the start, I'm sure. Yeah. I think the issue for me has always been, I look at this window and I say, do we like Benjamin White? Yes, we do. Do we like Aaron Ramsdale? We love Aaron Ramsdale. Yes, we do. Do we like the guys we got last summer? We love them. But the reason we don't have a striker and a midfielder is because we prioritized last summer the way we did. And that's fine. I think one of the issues is this was probably never going to be a one-season rebuild. We made a lot of mistakes over many years. The Oba contract, the Willian signing, Pepe, you know, on and on and on. We almost unwound it in one window last summer. But what we've come to realize this window is it wasn't totally unwound. And I don't think we can do it in this one window. Now you could say, why did we let all these players go? If we had to use Kolasinac, if we had to use Chambers, if we had to use Eddie even, for any substantial period, the balance of this season, we weren't going to finish top four anyway. The question now is very simple. Can a core group of players stay fit for 17 games and be good enough to beat a United and Spurs team that are not great? They are flawed. I don't see anyone running away with top four. Does this dent our chances? You bet it does. But at the end of the day, if we stay fit, the team we put on the pitch should yeah. compete with Spurs and United because they're not great. Now, I want to take the oh, – wait, do we have an Orn bomb? Ornstein. Yeah, verbal agreement. Orn bomb. Verbal agreement for Aubameyang? Yeah. Oba to Barca? Yep. Act on. If it says it on the live stream, it has to be real. I want to take the pressure off just for a minute, though, you guys. Do you guys want to see something hilarious? Does anybody in the comments want to see something hilarious? This is the weirdest shit I think I've ever seen. So you may know this. Bruno Guimaraes went to Newcastle, correct? And the intermediary for that deal was who? Does anybody know? Kia. Kia Jarabshin. Allow me to introduce you to one of the craziest things I have ever seen this is the signing video that Bruno Guimaraes put out on social media to sign for Newcastle. It is the weirdest shit I've ever seen. And and what I'll do, I'll um let me share my screen here for a second because it is it, it is really remarkable. Like, had you guys seen this before? Yeah. Had you, either of you guys seen this? Yeah. What the video? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but I just just. All, all right. Well, look here. <laughs> let me put put up these screen grabs real quick. This is one one part of the video. Right here. Arsenal joined by Everton, Bruno Guimaraes transfer. Arsenal have three-man midfield transfer shortlist as Bruno Guimaraes, uh, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And then this one is the absolute funniest. Okay. Uh, let's see. Share screen. Here we go. This one. Direct shade right at Adu. Arsenal face battle from two Premier League rivals to sign player Adu loves. Like this to me is like shots fired from Kia. I'm going to hijack this guy's announcement video to Newcastle to just throw shade at Arsenal not signing him. Like, I don't know, Jess, have you ever seen anything so petty in your life? 
No, but it's it's not the first time that Arsenal's been used to make announcement videos a little bit more interesting. Matt, Matt Doherty, his whole announcement video to Spurs was about deleting Arsenal from his uh his life, you know, because he's do you obviously. Remember, do, do you remember uh, Koscielny? Koscielny yeah, taking Koscielny. the shirt off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it's not the first time, but with the Bruno Gomarais thing and Kia being involved, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something there. We know that he was a target. I know that it was played down that he wasn't like the biggest target and all of that, but he was a target, you know? And so maybe there was an element of, you know, trying to create a a bidding more, get more money in the pocket. I don't know. Maybe Kia just really wanted Bruno to go to Arsenal. Maybe Adu just said, we're not going to go for it, whatever. But it was very strange. And he was also, you know, subject to a lot of interest from Juventus, but they didn't really care to, you know, put them in there. It was all about Arsenal. And so I wouldn't be surprised if something came out later on about that. But good luck. I hope you get relegated. And um, (laughs) good luck with that. You know, (laughs) good luck with that. Like, come on. It it would be hilarious if, if, um, it would be hilarious if we somehow got Guimaraes like next season um, for like ten million <laughs> on a relegation release clause. Apparently, he doesn't have one of those, but that would be pretty darn funny. So let's get this orange bomb up on the screen here, real quick, because um, everybody's talking about it. And I look, this is going to sound strange. I find myself a little bit sad, only in the sense that. I really liked Aubameyang, and I hate that this is how it has to end for him. Um, I, I hate that we have these players who come in and do something special for the club for a little while, and then it goes off the boil. It was one contract too many for him. But Barcelona have verbal agreement with Arsenal, subject to contract, to sign Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on a six-month-plus-one-year deal, if completed, will bring his Arsenal career to an end, medical to take place tonight. Clive, I don't know, I mean... No one's going to shed a tear over Aubameyang leaving, but 22 league goals in consecutive seasons, Golden Boot winner, a player that I think a lot of us liked for a while, helped us win an FA Cup, got a new contract. It didn't work out after that. And now a a complete breakdown in the relationship with the club. And and we don't know. Look, we know he must have done something. I can't imagine that Arteta would have wanted to create this situation out of whole cloth, but we don't know exactly what it is. Is this bittersweet? I mean, I see people celebrating that Oba is leaving. And to be clear, we are getting out from under a major salary burden, but it doesn't look like that's going to give us any benefit, at least until the summer. So how do, how do you feel about this? Yeah, it's sad the way it's ended. Um, you know my thoughts, Elliot. I, I, I sort of, I like players, but I try not to fall in love with too many, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they they hurt you. And <laughs> you can't, uh, <laughs> they hurt you. They'll always let you down. They hurt you. And um, it's, it's just, I just don't want to get, I don't want to be there. I want to look at them objectively. Yeah, I have my favourites, but I don't love any, right? I, I'm, I look at how they, I look at the group and how we're growing and what we're doing and how we play and what we can do technically and physically on the pitch to close the gap to the top two teams in particular, maybe three teams. And that's where my focus is. Um, you were the one that said very early on when everyone was said, was looking at Instagram to say, should we sign a Bamiyang? And at that time, it felt like we should. You know, at that time, we didn't need to. We had an option. We could have just extended him on the option that he had. at the particular, and He would have stayed with us another year on these current wages. But we chose to reward him. And I think that says something about the club and how it operates. 
There is a reputational thing as well. Uh, I see a lot of people were probably upset that Ainsley left at the start of January. I think from a kid who's been there since he's six years of age, has played very well for us on a number of positions and really performed for us. I felt the club looked at him and said, you know what? We need to be fair to you. We haven't been fair to you. We made you promises that we're not delivered on. We need to allow you to go. And some people say, you've got to put the club first. But reputationally, you've got to treat players fairly. Now, I think with the Bamyang situation, I, I don't like I don't like speculating. But the way the way I've been brought up is when you're the captain and the highest wage earner in the club with a group of very young players, the younger squad in the league, there's a certain requirement for behaviours to be a little bit more, a little bit better than some of the younger players. You have to set an example. And for whatever happened, I, I don't know. But all I do know is the world that I live in, the guy that's on the most money, the guy that's the leader, is the guy that sets the example. And if he, if the guy that's on the most money is the one that's not setting the right example, things happen to them. And, that, and that's just it, right? So I think it's a real shame but he's been here four years. It's, it's not two minutes. I think sometimes we forget that. And that's a long time in a career. I saw Cannon Chambers here for nearly eight years. And people are crying about him going, eight years he's been at the club. Right? There's a lot of Arsenal players that, that we love that haven't been at the club eight years. Do you know what I mean? And I think we get, we get, we get basically attracted to these guys. It, it, we just got to renew consistently renew, consistently upgrade, make sure, you know, I saw Callum Chambers get run in 2015 by Liverpool. You heard me say it loads of times. And he just left in 2022. That's the sort of things we need to fix. You know, and um, so, yeah, it's um, it's a shame, but life goes on, right? And when that next striker comes in, I promise you, how many, how many podcasts did we talk about Ozil? Hundreds. Right? Can't hear a damn thing now. Not a damn thing. You know, so, um, because he's, and that's it. We move on. We forget. We like Odegaard now. We've moved on. We like Smith Rowe. We like Saka. It's over. We move on. And that's what happens, right? New leaders, new stars develop. And our memories are really, really short. All right, Jess, time to shine. Who's who's Austin trusty? Okay, yeah, please read. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you got it. You got it. Okay, Mm -hmm. so, because that was honestly like the only thing that would probably make me feel a little bit better is seeing Elliot rant about a defender coming in. I can't lie. That's my favorite is goalkeeper. I'm just so sad Pablo Marie's time at the club is (laughs) over, Jess. I mean, you know how much I rated that guy. This is is a banner day. I want to celebrate me for a second. This is a banner day in the history of the few times I've been right about anything because the Oba contract, Pablo Marie, I mean, these guys, they're all the chickens. They're all staying at my house tonight. Jess, who who is Austin Trusty? Those your time to shine. You know the MLS. You know these American players. This person says, "What TF is an Austin Trusty?" Laura, you live in the in the Americas now, in 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 the United States. Come on, man, you got to know this stuff. Jess, educate us, please. Apparently, he's a defender that plays for the Colorado Rapids, which is owned by Stan Kroenke. You know, so um, basically, the tweet says he will remain with the MLS club. Um, on loan ideas to help him secure a move into Europe should be official shortly. So I'm thinking um, he will remain with MLS club on loan. So I don't know what that means if he's going to stay with them, but he'll be our player or he's going to come to us, but remain their player. It's, it's confusing. I don't know what he's saying, but 
we're signing a defender and we need one, but I mean, when is he going to come in? I'm not sure. Do, do I don't you know, know if he's a centre back or a fullback? I don't know. I can't see it just. Um, I can I can look it up really quick. But, I don't know how we um, kept that quiet. He's eh? a centre back. Look, <laughs> leave it to me. He's a centre back, and I want to be clear. The reason I didn't initially read this off when it popped up in the comments is last live stream I got tricked into saying a dirty yeah, yeah. name. Yeah. And I thought Austin, I was like trying to say it in my head. I was like, is that a dirty name? That's going to sound like something sexual. And it took me a few minutes to realize, no, it's a real player. It's amazing that we found him at the Colorado Rapids. I have no idea how that connection happened, but <laughs> lucky, lucky us that just the defender we need happens to be at the Colorado Rapids. Look, he <laughs> can't be worse than Pablo there. Marie is the point. Go go ahead, Clive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, just a great comment from Francis Leach saying about the, um, <laughs> the Saliba versus Austin trusty debate will now start to happen. It's coming. <laughs> can we at least agree that ben Saliba White is better than Austin trusty, or can we not even get what's our baseline we're, on how good Saliba is? We, 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 we just got to wait for Saliba to sign the pre-contract at Real Madrid. That will just trigger everybody, right? So, uh, <laughs> that, what is different. happening here? Yeah. Oh wait, wait. I got a banner for that. I got a banner, you guys. I got a banner. Don't worry. I got a banner for that. So what we did is we addressed center back and for defend our, our and for goalkeeper like we always do. Every window since Arteta's been here, he signed a goalkeeper and at least one defender in every window. Every, every Arteta window, we get one center back and one defender until we have so many defenders and center back uh, and goalkeepers, I mean, on the pitch that you just cannot score against us. And then, um, you know, we, we draw every game nil-nil and finish on 38 points and we stay up, maybe, if all goes well. Um, I kid, but not really. What the is going on that is the operative question of the day um hashtag team trusty yeah team trusty 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 trombone rust rust if his name was rust right trusty the process trusty the process austin trusty the process austin trusty the process you know what you know what guys it's not real until austin trusty the process here we go it's not real until it shows up. Is that how you spell his name, by the way? I want to get it right. I think it is, I think right? It is. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Yep. You know, there is one deal that could happen quite quickly um, if we want it to. And I don't know if it is going to happen, but obviously um, Barcelona have a player they want to get rid of in this man, Dembele, um, and they want to get rid of him now. So that let is... Me, let, me, let me ask you a question, though, Clive, because you, mm-hmm. you always kind of talk about reputation. When I think about Usman Dembele, he's somebody that desperately needs to get out of there and restart his career. Mm-hmm. But do you think his literal best friend canceling yeah. essentially his contract with Arsenal yeah. would be something that they talk about behind the scenes and could hurt our ability to maybe bring in somebody like that? You know, footballers talk, don't they? Is that yeah. not something oh, that you would um, not, think would? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think they are literally best friends, aren't they? So, um, Football-wise, he's only 24, I think, something like that. So, um, And a player that I absolutely loved before he went to Barcelona and ripped the hamstrings off his bones. Do you know what I mean? Literally. And that's been a problem. He's almost too quick for his body, you know? So, um, so yeah, but I'm just thinking, you're trying to project ahead. You know, I you know, Arsenal, I'm just reading James Benji sort of saying, Arsenal are comfortable with Amiens going, and they are... You know, not looking to replace, or you know, it's not, it's not essential to replace. If I'm paraphrasing, that to me isn't. I don't feel totally comfortable with that. You know, I, I generally don't. Um, particularly when we, um, 
you know, the player that I'm looking at to really get some extra minutes is Pepe. And we don't know the relationship between Pepe and the manager, right? Does he trust him? Will he invest in him in certain position changes? Will he do that? If he does that, then then fine. But um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm as edgy as hell, right? So um, I can't see any options at the moment that's going to make me sleep well tonight. Oh, <laughs> um, I, 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 got, I got something that's going to help you, though. What's that? Scott Willis, our resident data expert. Austin Trusty ranks 83rd among 121 center backs in Major League Soccer. Stop <laughs> it. Stop. No, stop. Okay, so stop. he will stay Just there. Stop complaining and trusty the process. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you know what? I'm taking it off the screen. Uh, you know what? He, here's the thing, though. Like, like, and, and we got to get Paul in here because um, because Paul is joining us. I, I just uh, I do want to make the point that like. The striker situation, I, I have tried not to panic this window. I look at our squad as if it stays healthy, being okay. I don't think Nketi is good enough. So for me right now, the striker situation is Lacazette, and then you're into figure it out. It's Martinelli, it's Pepe, it's whatever, because it's not Nketi. And the striker situation, I mean, you're talking about the guy we didn't want to use at the beginning of the season is now the guy we got to keep fit, and behind him is literally no one. So we'll get Paul's opinion on that. Now you can find Paul on Twitter at Pause My Pants. The man with the stunningly, stunningly dynamic background on live streams. There he is. Paul's on Twitter Pause My Pants. I'll pause. Woo-hoo! Yep. Um, you're looking good. I mean, if you were holding up a newspaper, I would say, how long have you been a captive? But – you know, uh, just pay the uh, ransom, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul, I, I know, I know you uh, are not going to do what everyone expects you to do and just flip out, right? Uh, that's not your style. You have been arguing on in the internet, which is sort of your, your second job, about why everything is fine and we have no reason to worry. So, um, what do you think about Obama Yang leaving in our striker situation? Because that to me right now, like I I really do think if there's one issue for me looking at where we stand right now, and there may be many, but the the striker situation is just it is I don't see how you can look at it as anything other than really, really dodgy. <laughs> well, we did try to give uh who was it, Fiorentina 70 million of our finest pounds for Vlahovic. So that's true. Uh, yep. I think and we, we don't rec- want to sign some. We don't actually. We don't actually, actually know that. Actually, that's you know, true. We well, don't the reporting's know pretty that. good, Clive. I, oh. I'm, it, this is transfer deadline day, and I'm we are sorry. talking about rumors. For God's yeah. sake. <laughs> okay, sorry, Paul, to be so precise, but, yeah. um, but I think, yeah, like I think was, most of us would accept that the Vlahovic thing was some form of real, right? I mean, even the club was talking about it. In fact, both, uh, yeah. Even they were like they were talking about it, so it's not like it was nothing. Now, where on the continuum of the facts we have are the the complete facts? That's another matter. But something was going on there, um, and the money was all the money. So I, always the money. So I'd argue yeah. there was something pretty close to the story, even if it's a little different. Mm. Um, so we wanted a yeah. striker, but we didn't yeah. want what do you think? any old striker. Um, like Aubameyang, he, he hasn't been the answer this season. Uh, there's you with your age curves. He wasn't going to get better in the next six months. Um, didn't we already know that it was gone? Like that Aubameyang was, he certainly wasn't coming back in. The, the water was flowing under the bridge. Um, we haven't played our better football with him. We played our worser football 
We played better football without him. It's Lacazette or Enketia. You may not love Enketia, but he is our highest XG striker and forward uh, in the squad. So if you believe in XG, he just needs more chances. He's the closest analog to Lacazette. Lacazette just needs to be fit for one game a week for 90 minutes, and he does seem to be able to do that. I don't know. I We don't get our our goals at the moment through our center forward. We get them like City, Chelsea, um, uh, who's who are the other guys? Liverpool get their goals um, with the Firmino role or something equivalent to that. So it wasn't going to be Aubameyang and he can't sit on the bench for the second half of the season sulking. It'll cause more problems than help. So you either decide Aubameyang's your starter or you decide he's not part of the setup because he's just too big a name. He's kind of like a Ronaldo problem. You cannot stick him on the the bench four games out of five. Um, Or you commit to starting with Aubameyang Mm. and changing the way you play. And it's a big, big decision. It's not a, oh, wouldn't it be handy to have Aubameyang on the bench for a few goals here and there? That's not how this was going to work. You got to pick a path. And we I saw you arguing with, with Andrew about that online, to be fair. so Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we kind of w- weren't a million miles from each other. We just fell slightly different. We, we both saw the same sides of the problem. We just might have slightly gone the other way. But, like, it's kind of da- – like, Aubameyang's literally in Barcelona begging the club to let him in. He like, this this boat has so far sailed – whether this get, deal gets done or not, like Wiltshire is in Dubai, Aubameyang's in, in Barcelona. That should tell us how far the ship has sailed, whatever yeah, happens. No, I hear I hear you on that. Look, the, the problem with the striker situation, right, is that like everybody wants a striker. Nobody has one. Like Manchester City tried to buy Kane, couldn't buy him. They play without a striker. Liverpool play sort of without a striker who scores goals for them. They rely more on on Mane and, and, uh, and Salah. And I guess Jota... I, scores goals, but does he play a striker? And then, like, Chelsea have tried twice. Werner, didn't work. Lukaku, would you say that's worked? Maybe not. He's it's certainly really not where they got their goals from this far, this far in the season. Lukaku. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it is a hard position. And all the, the names are either Mbappe and Holland, and you're, we're not in for that, sorry. Or they're, like, a lot of guys that we're not totally sure about. And, and the idea that we should go for a guy... Isaac, okay, you could talk me into it, but like, should we go for Jonathan David? Should we, you know, should we push the boat out for, you know, for these other guys? I mean, Jess, I guess the issue I would say with with Stryker is if you couldn't repair, let me, let me, let's say this. Let's say we found out that what happened with Oba was so bad that it genuinely could not be repaired. And let's say we found out it was Oba's fault, right? Unequivocally, Oba's fault couldn't be repaired, and we all agreed. Can you kind of at least understand why the striker situation is so tough? I mean, I don't know any two people that even agree on what we should be doing at striker, you know, even if we could do it. Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, you have to look at at everything from every single side. And so even at my maddest, which I have been mad, I'm not going to lie, but you have to look at the January transfer window and realize that, like you said, everybody beyond Mbappe and Holland is kind of a risk. And, you know, if, if we're not 100% sure, going to, you know, Real Sociedad and giving them, I don't know, 90 million euros for Isak, it is a risk. And so I can, I can understand the aspect of, like, maybe it's not the right time in the striker 
kind of market is not it's not healthy enough for us to be really shopping in it at the moment. I do just think that we don't really have the opportunity to take advantage of opportunities because we always kind of have somebody there that needs to be moved, needs to be shifted, that's on huge wages or doesn't want to go or whatever. And that goes back to the conversation that we had before about things that in our past coming back to haunt us. And so hopefully most of those are out of the way um, with the bombing, leaving, you know, Jaka maybe in the summer and we can just move on and whatever opportunities come about in in the summer, maybe that we could actually take advantage of them. Cause I know a lot of people don't like Tammy Abraham, but I really feel like that was the one it was within the age bracket, the profile, the money was right. He wanted to come. It made a lot of sense and we couldn't take advantage of it. So hopefully in the future we can, but I understand this January market is difficult. And if the club were like, you know, in the documentary sitting around a conference table per se and saying like, okay, well, this isn't the right, the right move. It's too much money for a risk. I buy that, but I'm still going to be mad because I'm still watching Lacazette every week. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I hear you. Well, I mean, Clive, look, I don't want to pretend everything's okay because it's not, we are leaving ourselves in a position, right? Where essentially it is now, Everybody stays fit and we play the kind of football we saw at the end of December or we're totally screwed, right? We've, you know, we've left ourselves. There's, there's almost no margin for error. Now, maybe since you have no Europe and no domestic cups anymore, you, you skate by on that. But that's really the thing that worries me. Like, could we have found a solution that at least gave us a margin for error in the short term? Cause it does feel right now, like anything that doesn't go to plan. And we have another month like we had in January and this season isn't just, screwed for top four screwed for top six because like i think the current gap between seventh and fourth is two points and i have a feeling that it might stay that way for the balance of the season so there's you could be in a top four chase in april and finish eighth in may you know what i mean yeah hey mate we all violently agree (laughs) 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 we all violently agree we need we need a forward shall we say i think the definition of strikers is changing um, you know, my thoughts around winger forward seem to be the vogue and those central zones where you, your deep six sits and they protect zone 14, they smash you in there. You don't really score there unless you're a monster and physically and there's not many of those. And the ones that are available cost £90 million release calls, or €90 million, Euros, sorry, for a player that's still developing. And that's where we are. And he's a nice player in Isaac, but that's where we are. West Ham bid 50 million for Darwin Nunes and got turned down. Darwin Nunes is a nice player, right? But he's not a guarantee. 50 million pounds. Everyone's got all the data and they're looking at the same people. So the market is crazy. My theory is develop your own. I look, I like Winger Falls, develop your own. Hold a central zone with players, false nine players potentially and have your scores in the wide areas and, and fire in from there and rotate in those areas. Much like Liverpool do, much like I've added Diaz into their group, very smart buy. We're our best player in Portugal, very smart buy, lightning quick, right foot hammer, drops into their style immediately. Immediately, we can all see where he's going to play. One thing for us is, you know, d- despite the joys of December and the goals we scored, we still don't quite know what uh, Arteta's centre forward is or forward is at the moment. We still don't know. 
the guy, the only forwarder he signed, he just got rid of and replaced with Austin Trusty. <laughs> His name is literally. So he's just, that's the only forward he signed. So let's just see what happens there. Um, I got no good news for you, mate. I got no good news. It's going to be risky. Uh, I saw one of the comments come through earlier about Smith Rose and False Nine. I can see that happening a lot more, you know, a lot more because there is no way if that kid's fit, he's going to be on the bench, you know. So I think that's that could be an option and Pepe into the group. That's the only things I can see to create some offensive depth that that people will trust. But one last thing I'll say is um, people are stacking up their receipts, right? And they're stacking them up. They're saying, yeah, all right, let's see how we go. Let's see how we go. And I'm telling you, Elliot, the first time we don't win a game we should win, this conversation is going to come up again big time, mate, big time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be talking about this, the balance of the season. I do want to apologize. We, Clive, the scouting videos, man. The scouting videos have to be stopped. Someone has to do something about the scouting videos because we scout these players, we fall in love with them, and we jinx the absolute fuck out of it. And, and I mean, it, it is a quite Look, I, I will say this. I would rather try Pepe at striker, try Martinelli at striker, try something creative rather than buy a striker we don't think is the answer because what I don't want is the Lacazette in the summer Oba in January situation where we... Arsene Wenger didn't want Lacazette. Let's be clear. He had two previous windows he could have bought him. He didn't. He finally relents and buys him. And then one window later, he gets a guy he really liked in Aubameyang. And that original sin has led to problems down the line. That was a huge sin. You know, Elliot, that sin was massive because Mm -hmm. he didn't want to pay properly for Aubameyang in the summer. So he deferred it. Went for his second option in Lacazette. Ended up in a three-way fight for Aubameyang. Had to lose Giroud. Giroud then comes to the Europa League final, uh, I don't know how many months later, and has a man-of-match performance and and stops, basically not just him, Hazard play well as well. But it cost us significantly having that style of forward in, in our group, whether you liked him or not. That style of forward, that plan B option was massive for us. So because of our own mismanagement, it cost us potentially... Many points, right? Which could have maybe got us back to Champions League a bit sooner. But hey, I'm over this it, is, right? <laughs> this is a good point by Jay. Like, maybe the whole point is Arsenal were trying to give us some nostalgia for the good times when Barca would buy our best players off us because we were still relevant. We're right back there. Sadly, they're not relevant anymore. So it looks like that is uh, done and dusted, by the way, and that Oba is going to be off. Scott's going to be joining us here in a moment. Paul, I do want to point out that when you give me the white background, I mean, this was just two seconds during the live stream, but things things can go bad. I mean, he heard what you said. He's not happy about it. He's chasing you down. Do you have any final words before Aubameyang catches up with you there? I mean, look at us. We're like... We're like brothers. We're like, only our mother can tell us apart. Um, I'm a little quicker than he is these days, but um, yeah. Um, By the way, does it make make you laugh just seeing him wearing the captain's armband and thinking about like, can we all agree? Saka never gets to be captain. Martinelli never gets to be captain. uh, Smith Rowe never gets to. Don't put the captain's armband on anyone you care about, right? Because Oba, Shaka, Gallus, uh, Sesk, Van Persie. Uh, there, there's probably Koscielny, like name a captain that it didn't just go terribly with. The captain in the number nine shirt, two things no one needs, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I want to go in two-footed on Clive. 
Oh, I, mean, I, I wanted to leave then. Oh, you but, gotta go. Uh, <laughs> all right. But now I gotta I'm, stay and uh, oh, right. get my yeah, stick, stick around to defend get my shin pads on and uh, yeah. see what Paul's gonna do for to me. Yeah. Uh, right. I think with like about ninety percent probability, we do know what kind of striker Arteta wants because I think we were in for Vlahovic. So I guess you could say all those yeah. people who believe that, uh, then we kind of have our template. There was where now if you, uh, I respect your skepticism or or at least no, you're holding no. back some reserve clive for those who are less convinced then sure we don't know but i think most of us who buy the vlahovic thing can say oh well that must be kind of what we're looking for and i think yeah. if you don't get what you want and the question is how do you spend 75 million or 70 million like if you can't get the striker you want get the next diogo jata or the next Diaz, or whoever else is coming through. Like, we'll take a Diogo Jota-type player, even if it's not a striker, and spend 30, 35 million there and, and go again with another guy. Like, you can buy two, two and a half players. I don't know if you're allowed to buy half a player these days. I think they've, they've kind of frowned on that kind of stuff. But you can buy two players and more for that kind of money, and we score most of our goals from the wings yeah. Um and like it's it's just unless you can get the right striker. I mean that's what City did. They they wanted Kane or something damn close to it or nothing, thank you. We'll score yeah. our goals other ways. So, I, so can I just I come, come, the, back, yeah, come, please, come yeah, back? Please come back on that. Yeah, and then we'll get to we'll It's not supposed to come back on Paul because we don't have each on Flavich, we loved him that much, right? So it's not like an issue there. <laughs> and so my my thing is, just think about this for a second. As we sit here today, we've just seen our ex-captain go and saved us 25 million in wages on a free transfer can you believe it but there you go um Lacazette and Eddie are gonna go Balogun will come back we literally have a blank slate and the striker position in the summer and I think that combination of how we wages to play with we saved around 70 million pounds in wages in the last two or three windows Right, so we're the bad young included, right? So, and that's that's off the bottom line in the calendar year. That's not amortization or nothing, right? So, we have this striker situation to fix, and so it's going to be so interesting to see what he does. We're talking two, we're talking two, aren't we? Minimum, maybe even three if we're in Europe. We could see three forward players come in the summer, and that combination is going to be so so interesting to see what we end up at. Whether will we get a couple of wingers? Will we get a false nine star? Will we get a, a, an all rounder like Vlahovic can do everything? You know what I mean? I make the tee and sit the ball in the back of the net. Are we going to get that type of player? I I, I don't know. You know, but that's going to be the that's going to be the fun, right? But until then, we're all going to be sitting on our hands, watching Lacazette's calves, hoping they don't ping, right? Because otherwise, the season is going to be over. <laughs> I do see um, 1,700 of you watching, and I want to say thanks for being here to share what is can only be described as a therapy session, really. Uh, we're going to get Tim on. We're going to get Scott on. We're going to keep going. I'm going to leave you then, yeah? Go. Yeah. I'm going to leave you. So just protect me when Paul wants to two-foot me again, wouldn't you, right? So, um, I'll try. <laughs> thanks. thanks. Um, pleasure, yeah. pleasure to see you all. We'll be talking to you on the main pod, Clive, which uh, we'll, we'll get to soon here. So Clive's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thanks, bud. Thank you very much. And brilliant comments, by the way. Absolutely so funny. We got a there we got a funny crew, man. Thank you very much. See you later. Bye, Clive. <laughs> 
Okay, quick break to tell you that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on this show, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For example, some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that isn't true. Therapy is a tool to utilize before things get worse and can help you avoid those lows. Many people think therapies for quote-unquote crazy people, but therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you recognize that all humans have emotions and we need to learn to control them, not avoid them. Uh, I can just speak from personal experience. I did see a therapist once upon a time in my life, uh, and you know what, like, I was nervous about doing it. Like, candidly, I, I really thought it was something that was weird to do. Maybe it was for people that, you know, had more, quote, serious issues than I did. But it got me through a really, really difficult time. And I think it helped me create the kind of tools I needed to manage hard situations. And God knows we've been going through hard situations year upon year upon year. And some might even say, as an Arsenal fan, uh, we're going through hard situations at present. So not a laughing matter, but certainly something that can be uh, very powerful. Better help is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try. See why 2 million people, over 2 million people, have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Arsenal Vision podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com vision. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash vision. And now I'm joined by Scott, who's dancing. You can find him on Twitter. By the way, Tim is about to join. I just thought I'd give Scott his chance to say hello. Say hello to everyone, Scott. Yeah! Yeah. So let me ask you the operative question. You get your first shot at the main question. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like we're cleaning house, right? I mean, it it seems like it's a a big thing where we're just basically saying, but I'm going to say wait, this wait, one right here. Oh, what? What? What's, what's happening? What the Come on, what? On? He's not making any moves. Nothing. Head you out. On? No, I'm not really. But I just. <laughs> oh was my gosh. Around. I was in the in the green room for a long time, and I was like, all right, I, I'm kind of just waiting here, and it's like I was playing around with things, trying out the new, different kind of tools here. Um, if a guy can't get a, a signing in, he's out. But actually, he's done really good at actually kind of cleaning things up. So I'm actually not mad at Edu at all, and think the Arsenal's transfer business has been fine. Um, okay. With my my tepid take here now. Okay, well, at least <laughs> at least you made it weird. Guess what? We don't have an intro video for him, but oh my God, it's Tim! Hello, Tim! Tim's on Twitter. Super Hi, Hello. Tim. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad at all. The baby is asleep for now? For, for now. For now, yes. We'll keep the yelling to a minimum. You get your first whack at the operative question, Tim. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because like... You kind of sit and try and justify all these pieces as they as they slowly tumble together, and you go, ah, okay, okay. And it's been a bit like um, I don't. Know, it's been a bit like a murder mystery or something, <laughs> where you keep changing your mind and go, oh, that was a twit. Like whoever's writing the script for this, the guys at Amazon, I presume. Um, you know, they, they've really, really gone for the killer. And and like, to, I've been thinking all day, like, what would be the absolute din- like banter denouement for this window? Like, on any new contract, Arteta new contract at 11 p.m. And then they go and pull out Austin Trusty from the Colorado Rapids. And oh, have I you have seen this one? Say, 
Have you seen that yet? Austin Trusty, the process. I like it. I like it. And, you know, I have to say, like, the the writers have, have just done a superb job there because I didn't see that one coming at all. So kudos to the writers of Arsenal All or Nothing. They really kept it. They really delivered today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they really have. And um, <laughs> I do have to admit the $10 million from Amazon isn't worth this. Yeah, I mean, that, that may be true. Um uh, yeah, I mean the I, content that we're going to have in the summer, though, when this when this actually airs, that's going to be worth it. That's that'll we're be definitely going to be doing watch way, parties right? for the documentary. Like, there's there's no question, um, there's no question we'll be doing that. Tim, you posted something on Twitter that I think really did get the to the heart of the matter, though, um, and, and I do want to come to this. I think there's a lot of people that feel this is a failure in the January window, and you mm. sort of suggested that it's a legacy failure. That this is issues from prior windows and decisions we made coming home to roost. And I think I am more open to that because we talked ourselves into a lot of moves that didn't make a lot of sense. We got really excited about a lot of moves that made some sense, but maybe weren't the priority, but we did them anyway. So you can't really look at where we are now and say, how did we get, it's like, it's like putting into Google maps Mordor and the whole way you're driving, the road seems okay, and there's flowers, and it's pretty, and it's nice. And then you arrive at Mordor, and you're like, well, how did we get here? And it's like, well, because that's the destination you put in. We're at Mordor now. It's not a January feeling. It's a legacy feeling. So do you want to expand on my horrible analogy that was poorly explained <laughs> on why you think maybe this is this is the – we have now given birth to a problem that was created maybe a little bit earlier? Yeah, sure. So you know that saying, saving up for a rainy day, right? Mm-hmm. This Today's the rainy day. And today is probably the day where, you know, we needed to go and maybe overpay for for one of our striker targets and we couldn't do it. And one of the big reasons we couldn't do it is because the two strikers we have left, Lacazette and Nketiah, they shouldn't be at the club. They should have been sold. Um, They both probably should have been sold 18 months ago for money. Um, Some of the other players who've left on loan um, as well, Maitland-Niles, Chambers, guys who we flip-flopped on, haven't made decisions on. Um, They're going on loan, not getting us any money. And, you know, today would have been a nice day maybe to be able to reach the release clause for, I don't know, Alex Isaac or something like that. But, you know, the money that Arsenal have available to them is not infinite. And this is the rainy day. This is the day where you probably need to go, right, we're going to have to overpay here because we need something. And we can't because of a series of poor decisions around selling. We probably already used the rainy day fund for Thomas Party. We probably already had to go to the owners and say, please buy us this player. <laughs> we promise not to ask again. And, you know, if if Stan Kroenke, like... Uh, this is what I tweeted, right? I don't often see things from Stan Kroenke's point of view, but if Arteta went to him in Colorado last week and said, mm, we need to break the bank for another striker, and he's like, didn't we break the bank a year ago for someone? And what about that striker that we're giving 300k a week to? What's happened to him? What about, can't we sell some strike? Oh, no, we can't because they're all out of contracts. Like, I, I, sympathetic isn't the right word because I'm an Arsenal fan and I'd much rather Stan Kroenke went, yeah, have 200 million, get who you want. But, you know, you can probably see why he might say, no, you're sorry, you, you've you've p- played that card too many times. No, yeah. not doing it today. Yeah, and we are about to get a um, a mystery member joining this live stream. So to the 1700 of you hanging out with us, we're about to get a, a an insider, I think you would say, so to speak, um, depending on your perception of how that works. But Scott, yeah, I mean, I, I look at the midfield situation and think 
Look, you know my thoughts on Shaka. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. I don't want to I don't want to like say that I am, but I think that Shaka, Party, and Samby as a double pit, set of double pivot options with just 17 games remaining in the season, you can get by with that. Would I like a Shaka upgrade? Yes. Do I think a Shaka upgrade in January was necessary for us to hold off Spurs and United? I don't think so. But I do think the striker situation is a problem because look, I rate Martinelli, I rate Sack, I rate Smith Rowe, I rate Odegaard, I rate all these guys. I love them. Do I think there's enough reliable goals in there? I'm not sure. And as everybody knows by now, Harry Kane took more shots in January than Lacazette has taken this season. So for you, is striker the operative problem? And have we just put ourselves in a position with striker that if we don't get where we want to go this season, that's the reason why? Yeah, I mean, I think that's been the the obvious issue that we haven't scored enough goals. And I think that if you were to look at the team and look at where we have on the depth chart, that would be the the obvious choice. Um, I mean, I think you can, you know, maybe even, you know, make some, some issues with some of the other backups that we have, but also those are backups. So I'm not that worried about them, but if you're going to look at one position where our starting option probably would need some upgrading. And if that's something that we could have done, it would have been striker. Um, like, like you said, yeah, I, I think we all have issues with Jacka. I think we've all been there, but I think that you can also make the same point that, you can you can watch Shaka and think, all right, this guy's not bad. Like he's not the, the he's not the reason that Arsenal struggle. Um, I think that you know we could all agree that we're ready to move on, but it's not because he's shit. Um, I'm just going to make that a, you know a, a comment that you know Granit Xhaka is actually a good player. He does good things, but I would rather not see him play for Arsenal anymore. But I think with the striker situation, we've got a guy that he does good things. Um, I've you know he comes out well in some of the ratings with the you know the overall metrics, but. God, it's just it's really hard to score goals when you're only taking like one and a half shots per game. And I think that's one of the things that is really going to be uh, the main question for Arsenal for the next 17 games is can we get enough goals from other positions to where the striker spot isn't going to drag us down? Yeah, well said. And I do want to make a point just for everybody listening. I tried to post the, the person that was coming on. And what I instead posted was a link I should not have posted. Do not click it. Just be nice. Don't click it. It will crash your computer. It will put viruses on you. Just pretend it is. It, it will launch the nuclear arsenal of many global superpowers. Just don't click the link. Um, but moral of the story, Tim, do you do you agree that at least from a midfield standpoint, like we can we can get through it? Like, let's put it this way: What would have had to happen? Um, this window for you to feel like actually let me just start with that is midfield satisfactory are you are you satisfied that midfield could be could be sufficient yeah yeah i think so like elneny lakonga jacka party that's fine i think jacka party together are good like um i i agree with scott's assessment of jacka he's a good player that does annoying things but i think he with party is is much better i'm i'm not sure like i don't think that's an equal partnership i think party without jacka is fine but jacka with party is better um yeah. because party's the superior player and he can carry a bit more load um but yeah i i think it's if we could have sorted that this january great but like I'm I'm kind of dubious that we would have been able to. I would like to see it done this summer, um, but it strikes me as a summer job because someone's going to have to go for someone to come in. Whereas up front, I didn't necessarily think that that was the case. Arsenal obviously disagreed, but I didn't necessarily think that was the case. I think someone just needed to come in. 
Yeah, yeah, well said. All right, well, let's get another special guest into this into this crazy episode of what the hell is going on. It's James Benj. Hello, James. Hello, thanks so much for having me. Um, I just randomly DM'd you like five minutes ago, Elliot. So uh, this is well, that was your mistake, wasn't it? (laughs) Now you're forced to talk about this nonsense, James. I I do appreciate you joining, and we'll only keep you for a second. uh, As as people click the link, I ask them not to click (laughs) continuously, which I'm enjoying. Um, James, I I do want to get your sense of one thing. You are a reporter, and as a reporter, you have access to, I think, information that that most of us do not. Um, And I just want to get your sense. Do you believe that the Vlaovic interest was genuine, that that was the plan A, that Arsenal wanted to do that and and probably resisted doing other things? Or do you think even that maybe was not? How realistic was the was the Vlaovic interest in your view? Uh, there was not quite as, as realistic as has been said elsewhere. I think it would be disingenuous to say that there was no interest at all, despite the fact that there were certain people around Arsenal that were putting that that story out there before the window opened, that, that it really wasn't a target. I think Arsenal knew, and they knew very early on in January, that this wasn't a deal that was going to get started, You know that they would keep the lines of communication open and that if a team like Juventus didn't enter the fray, didn't offer, you know, or, or any other team didn't really offer anything, that they would test their arm. They knew that Fiorentina wanted to sell, but it, it was pretty clear from, from before the window opened that, it was going to be really difficult to convince Vlavic. He certainly would have been open to a Premier League move, but I'm not sure Arsenal right now were, were what he wanted. I think he would have wanted to go to a Champions League uh, team, but really, and, and you know, this has been widely reported elsewhere, I think something like Juventus was was the ideal scenario for him. So everything I've been told is Arsenal were looking at their, really only looking at their summer transfer targets in terms of, certainly in terms of uh, strikers. And could any of them, be uh, be brought forward um not just not just Vlavic, but but Izak as well could a deal be done that didn't necessitate paying the release clause so yeah to get back to Vlavic, it was definitely interest but i certainly think and we've seen this before um with transfers in italy that that arsenal's interest was was used somewhat to uh to to encourage others to enter the fray and i think that that probably worked out really effectively if you're Dusan Vlavic's agent who is richer beyond dreams richer than than astronauts i think is as liz lemon would put it yeah he's uh he's done quite well for himself but yeah i'm just gonna throw it out there i actually don't think they pay astronauts that much like i i <laughs> don't I, it is a government I, job right yeah, they deserve a, yeah i mean it's got it's a gs something job yeah exactly well it depends what country you're an astronaut in so i you know i can only speak to the country i've been an astronaut in which is <laughs> none of them um, technically, if you're an astronaut, you're not in a country, you're in space. This is the kind of stuff you came here for. Scott's done something he thinks is clever. Let's see what it is. <laughs> is everybody I excited? Be excited. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> Thanks for that, buddy. We're having fun, okay. right? We gotta um, do something you, to, to fill the space, right? You are. Scott, Scott let's get, you are the numbers guy. So real quick, can we get some numbers? Like, if, if we sign nobody... And I do want to emphasize that that is seeming to be the outcome. I don't want to take away from Austin. Austin right? Um, we signed two players that are going to be in one back, right? Yep. Neither of them them joining right now, though. It's great Um, news for anyone employed by a a U.S. publication who who wants an excuse to go to Arsenal AFL Cup games. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And and by the way, isn't it just lucky that we found uh, found someone in the Colorado Rapids? Like, what are the odds? Um, Scott, (laughs) let's say no one comes in with all the business that you're seeing um, that you're seeing happen around the league. Give me 
first what your model says the odds are for top four for each of the teams competing for it, and then what your gut tells you in terms of whether that's something that we really can still still get done. So, I mean, yeah, it, right now Arsenal are sitting in second place, right? So we're at, or second place for the top four race. I've got us right about, you know, 25%. Um, I looked at the betting odds actually just before I came on here, and that one's showing about the same thing. Um, anywhere between, you know, one and four typically. Um, yeah, I think there was some that are as far as one and five. So about uh, between 20 and 25% for Arsenal to make top four right now as things stand. Um, looking at 538, they're a little bit more optimistic for Arsenal, um, putting us closer to, to 30%. And I think that all seems about fair. Um, I ran some, I guess, simulations on different scenarios. And if Arsenal had gone and improved at striker, um, that would have helped the odds. Um, if we had really kind of added about a, a quarter of a goal a game, that would have pushed us to about 45% and moved us to favorites. So it's something that we could have improved our spot, but it's one of those, there's basically four teams right now that are in probably realistic chance of finishing in the top four. And we are certainly one of them, but I don't think that any of these teams mm. has a, you know, a massive shout. I think it's all pretty even um, right now. I have Spurs as the top teams. The betting odds have Manchester United as the top team. Um, 538 has Arsenal as the top team. And I think that you could probably make really strong arguments for any of those teams with West Ham having a chance um, if things break absolutely right for them. Tim, do you have a sense? I mean, I think right now, am I correct in saying seventh to fourth is two points? And I I mean, maybe a West Ham falls away. I I don't know who's going to fall away, but my guess is no one runs away with this. These teams are flawed. I mean, even Chelsea, who we thought would be really strong this season, haven't been great. I really think, Tim, it could be a situation where late April, it's three points between fourth and eighth or four points. And you could be in fourth place with three games to play and finish outside the Europa League places. So, how do you see that shaking out? And do you think that the way I've laid it out is possible or am I just deranged as usual? Didn't that happen last season? How far were we off fourth last season? It was like it wasn't much, was it, in terms of points? Was it like five points? Yeah, but it, it was like never that? on. You know what I mean? We never no, felt no. during the run. I mean, maybe maybe some point in there March. There was a good like, run at the end yeah. of the season yeah, when we exactly. were already Close out of it. But, yeah. but it, it, it wasn't that much. And, and actually the season we got fifth under Emery, I think it was similar that there was like, you know, third down to eighth wasn't, <clears throat> there was, sorry, third down to seventh, but there wasn't too much in that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it really is like coin flip stuff um, if a coin had four sides instead of two. Uh, I, I have to say I do fear Tottenham a little bit um, in this. And the reason I think I fear Tottenham, first of all, they've got games in hand and they've been able, I think, to improve their squad um, with like, for them, half of the season left, which I think is a bit of an advantage. I, I think the main thing in Tottenham's favour is that I think Conte is sorting the defence and they've got two really good forwards and that might be enough. Whereas Arsenal, I think, are solid but just don't create enough chances. Like Even if we'd got the striker, I still have a little doubt over how many chances we actually create. Um, albeit maybe, well, probably the striker helps us to create more by being more of a presence. But um, And and with United, like, you know, it's weird with United because they actually have this run of quite nice fixtures, but they've had that for the last month and a half and it doesn't really seem to have helped anything. So it's so, they're so, I mean, United have absolutely got the talent of the teams in there to do it. Um, 
I think Spurs have got the best coach though. And I, I think that might go a long way. Um, for for yeah. Arsenal, if Arsenal are going to do it, with what we've got, I think we're looking at muddling through with a lot of 1-0 wins. I, I think as well, like what the fixtures look like. Um, I, I can't, I, well, I say I can't remember like I ever remembered, but I don't really know what the other team's fixtures are like. But in terms of away games, it's really only, well, it's Chelsea and Spurs we've got to go to. And obviously that Spurs game is going to be huge, but we've been to United, we've been to City, we've been to Liverpool. And so that that could uh, work in our favour a little bit. Um, but, you know, then like at the end of the season, I think you always want to avoid the teams that are threatened by relegation at the end of the season. I know we've got Newcastle in May and that kind of scares me. I, I don't think you want those teams at that time of the season. So yeah. it's, it's so difficult to read. But I, I have to say without without more goals in this team, I, I do think it's it's... We, we, we're probably still in the 25% bracket when we might have pushed ourselves to like 35, 40%. Do you, James, do you think part of the problem is that um, Stan had his notifications on silent, sleeping off his hangover from last night's Rams win, and that because he's on the West Coast of the US, that by the time he wakes up and shakes off the hangover, actually the, the window will be closed. Like, oh, I knew I was supposed <laughs> to get up today? for something today. Can, we can still buy Isaac, right? No, is the loan window still? Sorry, guys. It was a, it was a rough night last night. Um, I mean, I it was interesting watching him be interviewed last night and like thinking he is at the place that matters to him. Mm. He was in the stadium that matters to him. He was with the team that matters to him. He was in the moment that matters to him. And all of this that we're doing that 1,900 people are watching right now and not hitting the like or subscribe button to, so thanks for that, <laughs> um, is, is, just, is just secondary to them. I mean, it, it felt very obvious watching it that that's the crown jewel and that this is the one that Josh gets to go play with. So I don't know what that means, but like, do you... Like, you know, you look at Spurs, preferably not, because, but like, you look at Spurs and like, they stink, but Son and Kane are going to score goals and win them games they have no right to win. And we sort of have the opposite problem. And so I do wonder, how do you think the top four situation shakes out? And do you think that maybe, just maybe, there, this is going to be a case where we see a lot of good football that's encouraging? You know, the XG looks good. Scott loves that stuff, but that the, the goals just aren't there. Yeah, I mean, first of all, on your on your initial point about Stan Kroenke, I, I yeah. completely agree. And, you know, I've been to LA and you see this, he's all built a whole new city block, but I'm sure much bigger than one one block. Um, it's, you know, he's taken, it, it, it's a great project. It's the sort of thing that, that great men, and that's not great in, t- in terms of, a, you know, praising him, uh, but men with, with power and influence they aspire to. Uh, although I did think his interview was really like, you know, he didn't seem that excited about the NFL. I mean, it's hardly any different to how his son uh, sounds about Arsenal when he talks about them. Is it, uh, James, James, did he, there was a point where they asked him about the mid-season signings. Like, oh, you got Odell Beckham and Von Miller <laughs> in the mid-season. And he was definitely like, he's like, they're, 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 the players are good. And then he named a player for, that they had like seven seasons ago. And he's like, that's just an example of the type of player we saw. Like, he does not know. Yeah, he, he went off on like, yeah, we, we did really good with our third through fifth round third draft picks. Draft picks and stuff. He does not. <laughs> so there's no, if we could tell him that Aubameyang went to Barcelona, it'd be like, is that a good, actually probably knows the guys we're paying, but anyway, go for it. <laughs> but just, just picking up on what Tim said, I think what was really interesting there is you can like, you can highlight that thing that, that every 
maybe every other team, certainly United and and uh, Spurs have that that is the swing factor for them. Um, for Spurs, it, it's Kane and Son. For United, it's maybe not one, but it's just you know. And we saw this against West Ham; they can just throw solutions at it. Even with Martial gone, you know they'll be able to pl- throw players like Lingard off the bench, Rashford probably, um, Cavani as well. I don't quite know what what the thing that wins it for Arsenal is. The defense is good, but it's not that good. It's not. It's not perfect. It's not going to, um, you know, I, you couldn't see it, although it, <laughs> I said it has. But I, I'd feel quite hesitant about predicting a sort of repeat of those early season successes. Maybe that's it. Um, but also kind of going back to what one of the things Scott was saying that really struck me, you know, he, he's done some great stuff. I, I Someone showed me his goal probability added i think i can't remember if it was for the season or for the yeah, i think it was like through december i'm, I'm talking yeah. now, not on camera and lacazette is right at the very top of it and yet it, it just becomes that thing of and there are, going to be, there are going to be lots of games where arsenal will be a better team for having alex lacazette where he will really bring the best out of martinelli saka erdegaard they'll play some lovely football and win two three nil but there'll be there will be games like burnley where the ball's going to drop in the box once or twice a game uh, and you need someone that you can feel really confident is going to hit the net. And I don't know if Oba was still that player, but I know he was always, or more frequently than anyone else, he was there to he was there to take those shots and, you know, <laughs> just gamble. He, he was a gambler in a way that that Lacazette isn't, in a way that Nketiah is, but, but no one seems to trust him. And, you know, I think he is, you know, he's so close to being thrown in at the deep end and Arsenal having to ride through the whole season with Eddie Nketiah or Nicola Pepe or Gabriel Martinelli as their, their sole source of goals. And I find this very... Mm. I, I do agree with a lot of what's been said that it. I see you see why Stan was going, I don't, you know, it's not the wisest thing to, to throw money at the problem now. But equally, <laughs> it might be. It might be that this is yeah. the sort of moment where a... Eighty million pound expenditure on a on a striker like Isaac, if it gets you in the Champions League, that's paid a lot of the money, and it 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 does immediately add that rocket fuel to a project. You're a Champions League team. Midfielders that might not have wanted to replace Granite Xhaka are happy to come in. Maybe you know you can even keep Xhaka as the third option. It's so befuddling and bizarre when I think we've seen Arsenal do a lot of moves like signing Willian, signing Aubameyang that felt like they were more convinced of their ability to get top four than any of us were, you know, any rational fan believed. And now the window is there. The the, the opportunity to, to squeak through when no one expected it is there. And they sort of bottled it. It's befuddling. I have, I have, I really can't get my head around it as well as, as others have explained it. It just feels like a real wasted opportunity. Yeah, I, I do want to make a quick uh, point here using a screen share, if I may. Uh, this is related to you, James. Um, and this is just related to those headphones you have on, my friend. <laughs> I mean, Drift. I may be wrong, but I am seeing AirPod Pro. And I have demoed those at the Apple Store and walked away from them as my credit card yelled at me in despair. <laughs> so I would just say it is so choice. If you have the means, I <laughs> highly recommend you picking one up. Uh, have I correctly identified the model there? Yes, and I have to say the audio quality is stunning. Oh, man. I bet it is. I bet it is. Well, this is like, okay. um, you know, that scene in Wayne's World where he sees the guitar in the guitar store 
and, it, and there's a big sign saying like no stairway to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I love it, Scott. You uh, you are not wearing AirPods Pro. Is that is that correct? I, I'm not. No. Um, <laughs> what, what do you, what you just put my, up on the screen? So this was the thing that that um, James was talking about. Um, so this is yeah the the goal probability added for the season so far. This is actually updated through the the latest one. Yeah, and it, it does show. Um, yeah, Lacazette has done really well on those kinds of. <laughs> adding things besides taking shots right so it's it's one of those it's it's kind of frustrating to have a striker that doesn't do that but he has been important in that regard so yeah we just we talked about it so i pulled it up and added it here yeah yeah i mean um so so this is the thing right like and and scott i i think this is totally fair i we are not we're not really sure what we have i want to ask you this the football we played at the end of December culminated in what I think we would all agree was a very, very good performance against Manchester City that did not get the reward. We then went into cup ties with shadow squads and weird squads and players miss. Do you think, two questions in one, because it's me. It's you. Do you think the way we played at the end of December and against City is the true us? And do you think it is sustainable with the players we've left ourselves with through the balance of these 17 games playing once a week? Do, one, is that who we really are? And two, can we be that team for the balance of the season? Because if we can, I'm not going to say I'm optimistic, but I would put some money on that team having a shot. But if we're not, then, you know, good good luck. <laughs> I would say probably a little bit of both. I think that that might be the ideal of what Arsenal can be. Um, I think that's probably us at our best where we're getting our shots from all around the team. We're, you know, getting Marnelli involved as our, you know, kind of our inside forward. And he's really kind of taking up those spots. Saka coming in from the right, doing similar things. And that's probably if you're going to draw it up and say, this is how we're going to do things. It is playing at that level. But I think that, you know, there is probably some warning signs from, you know, other times. So even before December. I think that you could see that there was some kind of dysfunction um, where we still kind of struggled to get the ball up the field and consistently get into really good situations for shooting. So I think that there's probably a, a mixture of both where, yes, we can hit those again. I don't know if we're going to do that consistently enough to be able to do it. And I think that's why we're, you know, at a one in four chance um, for top four, because I think that there's similar questions mm. that you can have for a lot of teams, right? Um, right now, Tottenham are doing similar things where they are looking like they're able to consistently create chances, but then they've also had times where they haven't been able to convert those. And, you know, maybe that's a question and maybe there's some of those things. Um, Manchester United don't have a good midfield and that's a, a major question. Now they're going to have, um, other kinds of things circling around their squad as well. So, yeah, I think there's lots of questions about all of these teams, and this is probably going to be one of the weakest team that ever or that finishes fourth place for quite a while. So it's it's there for any of these teams to take it, but it's probably going to be whoever kind of screws up the least. Can yeah, I, I'm, I, yeah, please. I just Tim. wanted mm-hmm. to say with mm-hmm. your assessment of United, which I agree with, do, do you feel like United are the exact opposite of us? <laughs> In yeah. terms of they have like no structure whatsoever, but they have loads of players that can score goals. Like it almost feels like United and Arsenal competing for a place in the league is like a bit of a thought experiment about what matters more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's important for a yeah, team, right? We're about to find out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like Tim, if let's say Lacazette went down, you can't go to Enkedia, can't? That to me just doesn't like. 
that doesn't seem remotely. And by the way, I'm not saying Enkedia is like terrible at football. We just, we've tried that. That's not going to get you there. You have to try something different, right? Yeah, it would be, it would be really interesting to see what he were to do if slash when that happens. Um, because the thing is with Nketiah, like Nketiah is just another one of these players, a lot like Maitland-Niles, that Arteta seems to flip-flop on so much and can't make his mind up about. But the thing is, what Arteta should do is get a big spreadsheet of the minutes that players play because that will tell him (laughs) what he thinks of Nketiah, right? Because Nketiah didn't have a single Premier League minute, I think, before December. And when we went down to 10 at Anfield, who was the player he hooked straight away? Like that stuff tells you what you really think of a player. Yeah. Um, which is why I, I can't understand why we've dithered so much on making an assessment on him and, and selling him or, you know, giving him a new contract well before this or whatever. But I, I, I would be really interested because, because maybe with a run of games, um, we don't know. He's never had a run of games up front. He, he might just give him five games in a row and he might be quite good for all we know. I mean, I kind of have my doubts, but really, I I think whatever we do, whoever plays up front, one thing um, I'd say maybe I'm excited about just because I like the player, um, and I think this is kind of an unfair position to put him in, but it's the position he's in, is I think a lot of this is on Martinelli. That's where the goals feel like they're going to be on a consistent basis. And like, just because I really like the player and I think he, at the very least, will be the sort of player that could carry, I don't want to say carry, that's not the word I'm looking for, but the, the guy who could be like the main guy, a guy like a, a club like Arsenal one day. Like, I, I think he he will be able to do that. Whether he's able to do that now, I'm not sure. I think we're about to find out. But there is a part of me that likes the fact that a couple of months ago we were thinking, where's like the next minute coming from for this guy? And here we are on the 31st of January. And it's like kind of on you now, mate, um, which yeah. which is like I'm, I'm hyperbolizing. Like it's not like that. You want the goals to spread around. You don't want to put the pressure on the player. But I think really in probably the manager's mind, certainly my mind, everyone's mind, he's the one you're looking at and going, yeah, we, we need him to hit a goal streak because he's the player most capable of doing that. Whether that's him playing up front or him playing, you know, from the left as that inside forward and doing more of a, I guess, a Salah um, type thing and being the inside forward who scores, like it does feel like it's on him. And I, I'm in a weird way, I'm quite excited by that because I, I do think he's capable. Yeah, I, I mean, I well, look, James, let me, I know you need to get out of here, but let me just finish with this. The Austin trustee signing, I mean, we're, we're laughing about it, but it, it does make me wonder a little bit. The Saliba thing was such a hotly debated thing in the summer about, you know, should we be buying Ben White? We could bring Saliba in. But I think people have liked White enough that they've sort of settled on, well, you know what? White's good. Then Saliba comes back. We have Gabriel, Saliba, and White. You get a lot of flexibility there. White can fill in at positions if he needs to. Saliba and Gabriel, you know, that looks good. But like, do you think this signing, one we certainly don't need to make, and Rob Holding still exists, do you think it hints towards the Saliba thing not actually being recoverable? Not really, no. I mean, I have okay. to say, I know, and even my colleagues in the US know absolutely nothing about this player. Um, mm-hmm. All I know is what I've read. But equally, kind of, there's some stuff more about the Arsenal-Colorado Rapids relationship that I think we can read into. Mm-hmm. And certainly there's been a desire that was expressed to me back in 2019 when they played each other just to, 
to, to tighten these bonds to get players over. I know that some players, I think uh, James McNicholas has, has reported this as well. Some players came over from Rapids last year um, for trials. And I think uh, Trusty was kind of one of the better ones there. <laughs> but that it, this really, this is maybe more like a sort of a Cohen Bramall signing where Oh, it, it yeah. de- you know, it could be an interesting talent. He could, there could be something there. There might not be, um, you know, and maybe that the best case scenario is he comes in and, and, and fills in some minutes around the EFL Cup fringe because, you know, like you say, Elliot, if you've got Saliba and the plan is to have Saliba, White and Gabriel, you know, that's three starter quality centre-backs that you're going to need to rotate. And if one of them is kind of getting all his minutes in the EFL Cup and the like... Is you know it's probably not what you want to do, particularly if you hope to have Europe as well. So I think he's you know Tully will probably sit somewhere on the EFL Cup, maybe even less, playing a few games with the the 23s spectrum. But I'm I'm guessing a bit here because I've never seen the guy play football. Right, Turner, yeah. mm-hmm. Turner, as you guys will know, Turner's good. Turner is a really good shot stopper. I don't know that he like fits. Arsenal's vision of a goalkeeper that can can build from the back and, and can and play the ball long and accurately, but uh, he's a good good shot stopper. And I think with him, it's just someone that they really liked and thought was a good player they could pick up cheap and on lower wages than, yeah. than Leno when they move him on. Can I can I ask you one last question before I let you go, James? And this is a really tough one. And I hate to ask this to you, but I like it because I can make you the bad guy, and then the rest of us can just hang out for a few more minutes without any then pressure. It is really difficult for me. And, and look. I'm going to be super honest here and I'm going to expose myself to maybe some abuse. And if you want to abuse me in the comments, just go for it. I started being an Arsenal fan at the very end of the 20th century. So all I knew was Arsene Wenger. That was when I could first be exposed to it. And the one thing about Arsene Wenger is like, I don't, you know, there, there's good, there's bad. You can say whatever you want. Arsene seemed to be able to manage any different type of player, right? He had players that were legendarily difficult. He did manage to get them on the boat, buying in, doing whatever. There's lots of different ways to man manage. And I'm not saying his way was the right way and other ways are the wrong way. But me, just me, growing up watching Arsenal, I never saw this kind of thing with players just out, just frozen out, pay him to leave, go away, Don't, especially big players. And we're now into multiple occasions of this happening in a very short period of time with Arteta. I want to be clear. I am not saying that's Arteta's fault. I don't know. And in some of these cases, it may actually have been the best thing. The squad does seem to be pretty collective and and on board, and and the, the mood in the camp does seem to be good. So I get that. But how do you react to seeing situations like what happened with Aubameyang? Because this was a very rare, vanishingly rare thing that now does seem to be popping up. How do you re- how do you interpret something like what happened with Aubameyang? And and does it worry you for the future? Because look, if you want to be a big club, this is a Long Mm. question. If you want to be a big club, you're going to have some players that aren't easy to manage. That's just the reality. You don't get to have superstar players and have them all be sweethearts. So what's your take on what we saw with Oba and have seen a few times and what what it says for how we might go forward trying to get some players that, you know, aren't necessarily always going to be angels? So I'm maybe going to start by trying to give you from the reporting I've done what Oba's perspective is because mm-hmm. uh, I think we you know we, we kind of have a rough idea of what the club thinks and I think Arteta could do more to, to explain this but really that it's about the accumulation of little things that Arteta doesn't like that he thinks especially for a captain shouldn't be happening and that it you know th- this this is where it stems from that it, this was the straw that broke the camel's back for Oba 
from what I was told, you know, he felt like everything was dealt with. It was dealt with and was dealt with in a reasonably mature way. You know, let's take the incident before the North London derby. His understanding of what had happened, from what I from what I've been told by people who who, who have a good idea of what his understanding was, is that this was all dealt with by him being dropped uh, for the game. He wasn't fined, but he thought this had all been, you know accepted and that that it was that people could move on and that it wasn't hanging over him um i know that everyone thinks and i'm trying to find out if there is but that, that there was there's something we don't know i don't know about those unknowns i have no information of anything additional to what is already in the public domain and i think there's a real sense of of shock and and that oba couldn't quite understand why um an honest mistake about covid tests and about COVID protocols, which is not not acceptable and does make it more difficult for the team, but does happen, especially when the uh, the protocols had just changed, that that, plus his decision to spend the night in France and come back the next morning rather than go back the evening uh, of the, was it a Wednesday, I think, that Wednesday evening, he just didn't really understand why that led to what it led to. And I think that, to me, is the problem, is that it, if the player themselves don't, don't understand why you're taking this action, why you've gone so far, I think that that to me, it, it makes it a bit more difficult for me to understand. Because when you hear this and you, you kind of hear, you know that these, some of these players are not the easiest to manage, that Gwendouzi is not the easiest to manage. But when I was talking to people close to Gwendouzi, I was hearing sort of similar things that they felt like this had come from nowhere. But it's also true that there had been a steady build-up of of not issue uh, of issues, but that, that everyone thought they'd moved on from, and then they all comes crashing back. That I think is a real challenge and a challenge to how Arteta's managing players. We all have this in our own jobs, don't we? You kind of think that something isn't an issue, isn't hanging over your head anymore. Um, you know, whether it's disciplinary or your relationships with a colleague or whatever. But if it turns out it has and it's been bubbling away in the background and your manager's been unhappy with you for for months and hasn't really verbalised that to you and has given you the impression it's all done and dusted, that's hard. That's something that like Arteta can learn from. Um, and everyone knew that appointing Mikel Arteta, he would be learning these things in particular on the job because this is what Pep Guardiola doesn't teach you. Pep Guardiola teaches you how to be an excellent tactician and he leans on your advice but in the end a lot of these conversations happen in the manager's office or they happen with Guardiola and people above him but they don't happen with the assistants because it's important that the assistants have this degree of of distance and mm. you kind of hear the same things at Arsenal yeah and well, Arteta's still learning but he's mm-hmm. it's not it's not great to still be learning and to be losing you know good players or to be turning these these things into to high drama I think in the end with Ober they've got away with it um, I mean, I could tell you so many stories about how badly they managed the situation with the Saudis, um, maybe for another pod. But they've got away <laughs> with it. And this deal, the, the actual deal in itself, it's not too bad, is it? Free transfer. You don't have to pay any more of his salary. You've got away with it. But one of the, one of these days, it will it will be much worse. You know, and I do worry about it, yeah. There's a few things to consider there, James. First is you can learn how to coach when you're an assistant. I don't think you can learn how to operate in the transfer market. And I don't know that you can learn how to man manage because that much isn't on you. And so Arteta, his only experience doing that will have been watching Pep. But when you have Man City's money, 
you can freeze out a Leroy Sané and be like, go sit on the bench. I don't need you. It's a much dicier proposition to take that approach at Arsenal. And maybe Arteta is still learning a little bit of the things he couldn't have learned because this is his first job. The other thing I would say, though, James, is I'm prepared to accept a new coach coming in, falling out with a few players from a prior regime and saying, I can't work with these guys. I'm sorry. Like a Ganduzi or an Ozo or whatever. Whether you side with them or not, I can see that. The reason the Oba situation is a little different to me is you worked with Oba. You knew who he was, you knew what he's about, and you opted to give him a break-the-bank contract in his 30s. You don't really get to say, well, I had no idea he'd be like this, and then just throw your hands up and say, I won't manage him. You know what I mean? Now, again, it may be way worse than that on Oba's side. I'm not trying to pay, because I, I we are filling in blanks. I just think it's one to keep an eye on, because if you're going to compete with the big, big boys at the very top of the table, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to figure out how to manage some players that maybe, maybe, maybe aren't the easiest. And that's the next step. Is it fair to say it like that, James, that the Oba one may be more than the others? Because he was Arteta's player more or less, yeah. and the fact that he resigned him leads to slightly different analysis. Yes, 100%. Um, and, you know, as, as you as you say... It was, this is all his decision. And the other thing I always hear from people close to Oba that, that makes it all the more confusing for him is he's like, you were the one that wanted me here. I could have gone to Chelsea. I could have gone to Inter Milan. I could have gone wherever, but you convinced yeah. me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's great, but yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you there, Elliot. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll let you go, James. Thank you. It was very kind of you to Thank jump on this. Thanks so me. much. All right. And James on Twitter, James Benj and, and read all his great reporting. We'll, we'll hopefully have you on the pod soon. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Thanks so much okay. for having me. Thanks, James. All right, I do want to cover that with you guys. I lied and said I'd let you off the hook by making James the bad guy, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I will, uh, I'm will. i going to uh, throw it to you quickly, Scott. I mean, I look, I have had some pretty unpopular opinions on culture. I think culture is one of these things we analyze after the fact. If you win, everyone goes, look at their culture, it's great. And if you lose, they go, they must have terrible culture. But like, I understand that you can't just have spoiled babies who ruin the dressing room and make everyone miserable, especially when you got young kids. You've got young players that need to learn the right stuff. But you also have to balance that with like, you know, needing to score goals and stuff. So like, where where do you come down on the idea that like it's okay to freeze out players who don't get on board versus needing to maybe show some flexibility in terms of what you allow? I think there were some some interesting things that came from James's explanation. Um, and I think there's some kind of toxic things. Um, it kind of reminds me of um, when you're kind of in a, a bad relationship and you get, you know, old kind of arguments dragged up when you thought that they had kind of been done. Um, I didn't realize that that was necessarily the, the situation here because mm. it's been kind of a, a hard one to get a lot of reporting on this. It feels like there's been, I think even when I go back to what I, I said, when the, this first broke out, it feels like we're only getting a lot of the club's spin from this and we haven't heard a lot of what Obamiang situation is so this kind of filled in a little bit more of the the gaps at least for me on um what he is coming from because i think that you know my, my i saw a lot of the same miller things to what Obamiang is maybe there was a little bit of a, a misunderstanding at first um and now it seems like some of these things that he thought were, were resolved were taken care of are now being dragged out and that was kind of the reason for you know the the multiple situation that came part of the the release and i thought that maybe he was done with that and you know the club had all moved forward so again like you understand that those are probably situations that he shouldn't have done but if you know he had already kind of been punished for those why is it now being held against him again at the second time 
So it's a, it's a frustrating situation. And I think that this is one where, yeah, I think Arteta is definitely learning on the job on how to deal with these things. But going back to your original question again, mm-hmm. so as I, I kind of pull what you do, um, answering what I wanted to do. Um, well, but I think exactly what I asked you. So it's, it's a yeah. So I think culture is a lot of things that, that happen kind of post hoc. Um, it's used to explain what happened. Um, not necessarily, it's really hard to say in the moment um, if you're having good culture or is it just a, a reflection of are things going well or are things going bad? Um, I think that, you know, it, it is, you know, going through process is probably the, the thing that we want to guard more. Is this the, the right process for how we, we want to yeah. deal with players? So um, I, I think that. Maybe if this is if this is going to be it, like that's fine. Like, but I think we just need to to be realistic that this probably lowers sometimes that we're not going to be able to have some of these superstars because they do expect to have maybe a little bit extra um, to be taken care of. And if we're okay with you know maybe being not at those level of player, and we want to have this as our culture, and we have certain things that we're going to deal with, and that's okay. Maybe that everybody's okay with that. Yeah, and let's be clear. Like Oba hasn't been great. Not using Oba didn't crater the club. Making Oba unusable has created a challenging situation. I think some people view it as that's on Aubameyang, and it may absolutely be on Aubameyang. There are other people, rightly and wrongly, who may feel that surely another solution could have been found, an accommodation. I don't know because I don't know exactly what happened. So I'm spec. I'm commenting on speculation, but Tim, I'll let you have the final word on this. The only reason I take a more intensive look at how Arteta has handled Aubameyang versus some of the other ones is we made the choice to give him that. This manager was part of the decision to give him that contract. So he had some window into who the player was, his age, his performance, his, his personality. And it's a very, very big wage to give. So he he weighed everything and decided it was the right thing. And so it it feels a little more on him, I guess is what I'm saying. That doesn't mean he's in the wrong. It just means he had more culpability in this situation than prior ones. So as a final thought, I mean, Oba's Arsenal career is over. It's probably best for everyone. Do you believe that Arteta will have to find alternate ways to handle disputes with players going forward or that actually no, he, he will bring in the kind of players where this doesn't become an issue going forward. Where do you, where do you stand on that? I think it's a bit of both. So we've had some really interesting comments and, and what's really interesting about them is like, they're going completely different directions. We're getting lots of like, no, he has to do this because the culture was, was too soft. And, and, I think there's some merit to that. I think there was another good comment about he he's just not at the level to put put up with that anymore. And you look at the way uh, Alex Ferguson managed Roy Keane, for example, clearly didn't like a lot of like what Roy Keane said in the media and stuff like that, but he was one of the best midfielders in the world. And as soon as yeah. that was no longer the case, he got rid of him. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and quite brutally. So like and and I do think particularly initially um, you know, you can make some arguments because the thing is, I think we have to try and comment on this, like on the overall bit, because it's very difficult to comment on each individual situation in isolation. Um, it, it could be that all of these players were just completely unmanageable. I, I kind of have my doubts. I have to say whether that's just the case every single time, but maybe the, the I, actually, I'm sure that there was some merit in making that point in putting that stamp in early uh, both for Arteta for his managerial career but at Arsenal to say things are different now this is not the Colney crash anymore I do believe that there was probably 
um, there, there's at least some value in that. We don't know the extent. We'll never know the extent because you need to see the alternate universe where uh, you know Urzel and Genduzi play and Arteta just hates them. Like, what what does that universe look like? We'll never know. But I think there is going to have to be some level of expediency because you're right, he's burning through a lot of players that weren't his and that's kind of all right. But a lot of these squad players are getting replaced, right? So Chambers, Elneny, Nketiah, uh, Maitland-Niles, I won't call Lacazette a squad player, but they're all going, right, to some extent. And he's going to have to bring in other squad players. And let's have it right. He hasn't managed the squad players particularly well, and I think that's because he hasn't made them feel feel valued because he keeps flip-flopping on what he thinks of them, and that's going to have to stop um, for a start. Who who are the the squad players that are are loyal, that he likes? Elneny and Cedric. Why is that? Because they're on contracts they can't get anywhere else. Right, and I don't want to cast dispersions on their characters um, per se. They, They both seem like decent characters but the reason that they're the good boys that that are very obedient is because they're on contracts they're not going to get anywhere else that's that's why they're well-behaved boys whereas maitland niles chambers they're looking around going okay this guy he can't decide whether he likes me i can go to roma i can go to aston villa fine he is going to have to find a way to manage those gray areas particularly with some of his squad players i think nicola pepe is a really interesting challenge that's coming up for him because we're talking about arsenal not scoring enough goals we've got to I'm, i'm not saying start him every game in fact i don't think i'd start him in most games but we've got to find a way to get pepe involved and we know that's not arteta's player we know he doesn't really like him I completely understand why I find him a very frustrating player as well. So he need, but he needs to be able to manage those grey areas. And and again, I'm I'm, you know, hypothesising here a little bit. But sometimes being a strong manager isn't always just about taking the hardest line every time. Sometimes being a strong manager yeah. is eating the shit sandwich and calling it ice <laughs> cream. It's, it's being flexible, is getting people on board. Sometimes that's the strong management. And and sorry, just to wrap this ramble up, it's <laughs> only in the very spoiled, very entitled world of football, managers can just turn around and go, no, don't want to, don't, don't want to work with this guy. Like, you know, anyone who's ever been in a management situation in any other industry, <laughs> you don't get to do that. And you don't get to tell people, no, I don't agree with that. I'm not doing it. Like if, you know, senior management, for example, tells you this is the decision, you've got to go out there and tell the people you manage that, that's what you fucking do or you get sacked. It's as simple as that. And it's only like very cosseted, spoiled footballers who get to become managers and go, no, not doing it. Don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, look, that that is, Tim, I think you hit on something that I, I haven't been able to articulate, but I do fundamentally connect with, which is like, Everyone has a boss. Arteta has a boss. It may not be Adu. It may not even be Dick Garlic, but it is someone. And maybe it's Josh Kroenke or Stan Kroenke. And like, I have to say, if you sign players and a season later you want them gone and you give out big contracts and a season later later you won't even use them and you're replacing expensively players that you acquired expensively, at some point the person you go to who is your boss when you ask for Vlavic or when you ask for the next move is going to go, and how many months will it be before this guy's being shipped out and I'm paying his wages to play somewhere else? Now that may be unfair and maybe all these players deserved it, but you know what bosses don't like to hear? Excuses. They don't, especially aloof billionaires who are getting drunk at a stadium in Los Angeles. You think he wants to hear, well, Obama Yang went to Dubai and then this kind of, he doesn't care. 
At some point, your boss is going to say, I gave you the money for this guy. You won't use him. I gave you the money for this guy. You won't use him. I gave you the money for this guy. We're paying him to leave. I gave you the money for this. And like, I'm not saying that's fair, but anyone who's worked with a boss has seen that. And and this is where I want to just really quickly bring my life into this. Anyone who listens to the pod or interacts on social media knows I've been going through a really hard time the last couple of weeks with a work emergency. And it's been really, really stressful. And I'm just sort of stuck in the middle of some high net worth people dealing with a really bad and stressful situation. And you know what I've seen a lot of? Really suspect decision-making. That even people you think of as smart and successful and titans of industry, that under pressure, if you apply enough pressure and enough stress, they will crack and make bad decisions. And we sort of presume that all these people are doing, that Arteta's getting it right and you know the club are getting it. But you know what? And I've seen it firsthand. Sometimes really effective, successful people under pressure crack and make bad choices. And and it's you watch it and you go, are they really doing this? And yeah, they really are. And so it is going to be interesting, Tim, I think, because I think Arteta is on to something as a coach. And I know not everybody agrees with that, but I, I've seen the team starting to play some football I really like. But the job isn't just coaching, especially when you have Adu above you who's not that strong and you've been given the manager role. So would you agree with me that like the coaching has gotten a bit of inc- I think I think there's some encouragement there. I'm not going to say it's solved, but it's this other stuff that eventually the guys above Mikel, the real power brokers, will eventually pull him up and say enough of that. They won't yeah, stand yeah. for it forever. Because if you make bad, expensive decisions like Aubameyang contracts, William, which both happened at the same time, then then yeah, of course. I had a, a conversation with uh, with Andrew on 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 Ask Blog last week, and um, I kind of posted as a, a posited as a hypothetical, and and I think this is too black and white for what the situation actually is. I'm sure the conversation would have been more nuanced, but imagine if Arteta said, "Look, I need you to go to like 70 million for Isaac," and what if Josh or Stan said, "Okay, but if I do that." And you don't get in the top four. Your contracts, your contract talks coming up in the summer look very different. Are you willing to put that on the line? That if I go to this for this guy, you will get in the top four, and then we'll get you a lovely new contract and crack a bottle of champagne on it. Because again, that's the kind of and and that might it might not be more nuanced than that. Like you said, Elliot, you know, rich guys who own things, they 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 often are as as black and white as that. It's okay. I'll put the money down for this guy if you are willing to put your contract on the line for it. And that, that I think that would be a really, really interesting conversation and maybe a conversation that I would like to have happened, not because I want Arteta to be punished or anything like that, but just to give him maybe some of the nuance in this situation and say, what if it's you that gets burned this time? What if it's you that's, okay, you're in or you're out? You know, right, what, put, what, Putting the skin in the game, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Which, which again, I'm, I'm not saying like I really want you know Arteta to be punished, and but you know just to just to throw that in there and say that's your management technique. I'm applying it to you now. What do you think of it? Um, kind of thing. And and his answer might be, yep, absolutely agree. Uh, could yep. could well be, but you know, like I'd be really interested to know how those discussions went in Denver. Look, you have to acknowledge we hired a very young guy who had never managed before. And guess what? It's not going to go perfectly. It doesn't go perfectly for experienced guys. So I'm totally open to the learning process. And this is part of it. And oh, by the way, I will leave the door open in my mind for the possibility that Arteta has handled all these situations perfectly. It's sort of hard for me to see that, Scott, but I have to stay open to that possibility because it's possible. So I want to do this. 
I have to open that possibility because it's possible. Well said, Elliot. That's, that's what, what I'm here for, the wordsmith. Let's do this. Let's get out of here on this. Let's predict the future. Predict the rest of the season. Scott, I'll give you the first crack at it. It's 17 games. Nobody's going to get injured. Everyone's going to stay fit and play the best they know how to play, and it's going to be top four, right? What do you think? Tell me, how does it go? How does it go right? How does it go wrong? Where do we finish? Uh, 69 points, fourth place, Arsenal. Ooh. Yeah, they're, they're good. That's I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay optimistic right now for, for that. Um, as I'm going to again, not answer the question, but I, one of the things I did want to just touch on is I thought what I was thinking about while Tim was so eloquently ranting is that I think that this also goes into his communication on expectations with some of these squad players. I think that we've had him try to bring these people in say, Oh, you're going to be part of my plans. Don't make this move. Um, and then it, that doesn't be end up being the case. And I think that's something that he could definitely improve on there. Um, and I think that we should be better at making you know, cut and run decisions. All right, we we need to do that, and you know, we did that with Oxley Chamberlain. We did that with Awobi, and I think both of those turned out well for us. So that's kind of my my last point on that. But yeah, fourth place, sixty nine points. You really do think nice. You really do think fourth place in sixty nine points. I, I mean, it's 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 possible. <laughs> I mean, do do you think I'm right, Scott? I mean, j- just real quick before I get um Tim's prediction, we get out of here. Do you think I'm right that it will um it will be maybe three or four points between fourth and seventh. I think so. Yeah. I think it's going to be really, really close. Um, I, I think that there's going to be, I, I think we're going to be at least sixth place. I, th- I really do think that um, I, I would definitely say that that's a, a 90% chance that we're at least sixth place. Yeah. I would say fourth is what I hope for. And from where we are, we should still be gunning for it. If we get top six, I'd take it. I think if we fall out of the top six, everyone throughout the whole club is going to look at this as a huge Failure. opportunity missed and be scratching their head about how we let this happen. Um, Tim, you want to give me your prediction? Yeah, sure. I'll preface this by saying I'm not great at predictions, but I, unfortunately, I think we'll finish six. Um, I, I, I just, I think there's going to be a lot of marginals um, in this race, and I just don't think we've got. We're not a marginal gains team. I think we're still a little bit of a Goldilocks team. Uh, and I, I'm just not convinced that that's going to get us over the line. I'm not convinced that when it's nil-nil with 20 minutes to go away at Newcastle that, we'd, that we've got what we need uh, to go and get that winning goal. Um, unfortunately, I do think the teams we're competing against do have that, um, unfortunately. So, yeah, sorry. I, I, I'm that's what I, to be fair i predicted six at the beginning of the season and i'm sticking with it but i i agree with you it it will be there'll be a couple of points in it yeah i think I it's, it's going to come down to the head-to-heads right it's going to be the arsenal versus united it's going to be arsenal versus tottenham it's going to be arsenal versus west ham those are going to be the the big deciders yep agree you you could see how it would go right or wrong right it, it goes right if we get lucky with injuries and guys like lacazette and Sack and Martinelli and Smithrow and Odegaard and Party stay fit for the rest and of the season. And we win away at Spurs. Yeah, it, it is going to come down to Spurs and United head-to-head. We can't lose to either of them, right? I mean, that 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 much is clear. So I would take top six. I think we should still be going for top four, and I, you know, I think we've made that harder on ourselves now. Um, can I ask you a quick question, Tim? Do you think it's possible, as we summarize this transfer window, that the Premier League is pivoting to five aside and they just haven't made the announcement yet, and we knew that ahead of time? Yeah, maybe. I mean, look, maybe we'll get all of our. Maybe we're just testing this new rule, and <laughs> just getting all of our games postponed. And what will happen is that it will get to the middle of May, and we'll have ten games to play. And Spurs and United will have to sit there all summer while we play the games, and then it will finish on transfer deadline day, 
and Spurs particularly won't be able to make any signings because they won't know whether they're in the Champions League. It's perfect. I mean, <laughs> what what could go wrong? Um, I just hope, like, I just hope that we aren't sitting here at the end of the season going, ah, oh, just a couple more goals in this squad, and we would, you know what I mean? That that's the that's the only thing that to me, I I hope we're not sitting there because it feels maybe a little self-inflicted. Look, I want to say to everybody uh, watching, listening, we love you. I am assuming the audio comes out all right for this. Probably going to put this out as a podcast episode too. But uh, for everyone who joined live, thank you. And I'm sorry that we didn't have something more exciting to announce other than Austin trusty the process. But that was that was a high point of the of the show for me. I think personally, Scott is on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crab. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Tim, always a pleasure. And uh, I'll be talking to you in the near future as always. But uh, glad the, the baby was able to get to sleep and you were able to join us. Yeah, same here. My pleasure as always. Tim's on Twitter. Stoberto, thanks, Tim. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner, and you should definitely do that. My opinions there are even worse than my opinions here. Uh, look, we love you. We love you for being with us through all this. This is this is therapy for us, for you, for all of us, hopefully. And and you know what? The transfer window isn't the football. The football still happens, and we still go out on that pitch, and we can still play great football with the players we have. And the things that we love about this club right now, Saka, Smithrow, Martinelli, Odegaard, Right, these young players, White and Tomiyasu and Rams, they're still here. Right. That's still here, that core. We can still feel good about that. We can still cheer them on. And there's still every chance we can get where we want to go. Not the window we hoped for, but the football is still leaving a lot to be determined. So let's hope for the best. We'll pick it up on the other side of the window. We'll have pods all week and everything and all the usual stuff. So we love you. Hope you're safe and well and doing all right. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. We'll still. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.